The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. How are you consciously connecting to the people in your life? Hey, listeners. Welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today we're going to be talking about relationships, which is a theme that's come up for us over the last few weeks. Relationships are incredibly complex. They come in different forms. They have their own challenges and, of course, their own gifts. And what we wanted to do today was just chat a little bit about relationships and even how much they've changed or shifted, especially during this year with COVID pulling a lot of us apart. You know, how do we think about connecting to people that are in our lives who we're used to seeing on a more regular basis? How do we deal with conflict, right, when we're far away from people? And also, how do we make the connections that we have really count you know, where before maybe there were points that you might call a friend and have a kind of random conversation and know you'd see them in a week. Now we have to think a little bit more about how intentional we are about connection. So we want to talk a little bit about how we do that, how you can do that, and why it's valuable today. You know, Leah, I feel like COVID, I mean, has just impacted us in so many ways. But one thing I've really taken from it is just how important it is to have connection with other people. You know, we both live alone and we've talked a lot about relationships with ourselves, right? And how we take care of ourselves and all of that. And that is super, super important. We know that we cannot be there for somebody else if we are not putting ourselves first. However, at the end of the day, this world wouldn't be this world without connection, without other people, without relationships with other others. I sometimes think, If we, you know, if I was the only person on this planet, the only person, no one else there, what would be the purpose of living? Really? Like what, what would be the purpose? And when I think about a little bit deeper, it's like there's, there would be no giving. There'd be no giving to others and giving to others is something that really fills us up, fills the other person up, allows you to form a bond and go deeper in a way that is really satisfying on a spiritual level. So there's so much that comes with relationships. I really think it is the key to everything that we do. And you and I could probably talk about this topic forever because it's it's just so important to us. But I'm excited to kind of just see where this conversation goes. I also know that we there are a lot of tools out there, right, to, to help us build relationships. And I'm, I'm excited to share some of those with our listeners today as well. Yeah, yeah, me too. You made me think about Castaway when Tom Hanks makes friends with the volleyball because he's by himself for so long. Right. Even that is just a signal of how important relationships are that you know, even though it's a movie, that if you're alone for long enough, you'll you still need to create a way to have connection to something. It's so interesting. Yeah, I think COVID has made me think a lot about it's sort of been this interesting experience of like, recognizing the energy that I have, and being more intentional about my energy, and like how on purpose I am in relationships. So you know, 
I read a, I read something and I, I, I know I've been, I've been telling you about this, Jackie, and I can't find it, but I'm pretty sure it was Adam Grant who was talking about how relationships shift during COVID. And one of the ways that they shift is that some of those weaker ties that we have, those people that maybe were kind of acquaintances or, you know, our, our second tier group of friends are starting to fall away because, and and this has happened for me, like where I I just don't have the same energy that I used to have. And, and not only that, it's also that I actually want to give more of my energy to what matters, right? Like it's, it's showing me a little bit more of, of what really matters. And I don't know about you. I've, I've always been that person that wanted to have, you know, a million friends. And I, I was, I was the quantity over quality person. Cause I was just like running around, always doing stuff, you know, wanting to be busy and be in all the plans and, you know, having FOMO. And, you know, as I've, as I've aged uh, gracefully, I think one of the things that's happened is just realizing like, wait a minute, that doesn't matter. And COVID's even accelerated that where I feel like I've had, to, I've like been more ruthless about my time and energy. Oh yeah, I completely agree. I was definitely the same way, I'd say in my 20s, really trying to keep up with all the friends and the different groups that I had throughout my life of people that I've met. And in our generation, social media actually makes that a lot easier and at the same time, the qu- the quantity over the quality is not, at least for me, was not giving me what I really needed from relationships or what I wanted out of my relationships. And I think it's pretty common as you age to recognize the people in your life that are really important to you, that fill you up, that you want to give your time and your energy for. And yeah, I mean, in COVID, it's in the beginning, what was interesting was like, I felt like I was connecting with people that I hadn't connected with in a while because of the severity of what was going on and being in different locations as people and seeing different cities be impacted in different ways. But at the same time, as our life has shifted over the past several months, you kind of have to make more of an effort because you're not seeing people in the typical way that you had in the past. And so who that effort is tended towards, actually, it gives you a new perspective on like the important people in your life. You know, I always think about um, Brene Brown and how she talks about, and you probably know the, the actual quote or how she speaks about it better than I do, but like, you can write all the people in your life that are like are closest to you. You should be able to write them down on like a little tiny piece of paper, right? If it's, I think she maybe gives a number, but if it's like more than eight, it's like, uh, how, how meaningful are your relationships really? And I truly see that, right? When I think about my circle, about the people around me, I can tell you it's, it's, it's gotten smaller over the years, but at the same time, so much more richer. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, I literally was about to say that, that it's, it's the, it, you know, for any listeners who haven't heard this, it's actually a really cool way to think about who matters most to you and really to be on purpose about who matters most to you. I think, uh, especially as you think about as children, we, our friends just kind of fall into our lives, right? Like you meet people because your parents chose to move to a neighborhood and send you to a school. And so based on your neighborhood and your school is how you make your friends. And so you just kind of, it just kind of happens by happenstance. And as you get older, as we all get older, we have the power to really decide who we want to be on purpose with and who maybe we don't have to be as on purpose with and and where our energy goes. But it's a one-by-one square, Brene Brown says. Write down the people on a one-by-one square 
uh, who matters most. And no, you can't write in like microscopic uh, font. Is is one by one? Is one inch by one inch? One inch by one inch. I think I would have to be writing really, really tiny. (laughs) I mean, it's small. I got like, I, I think when I did this a few years ago, I think I squeezed on like eight names actually is about right. But it is small writing. And you recognize like her point is everybody that's not on that square should not matter to you. And not in a negative way, but it's about how how influenced we can be by people, how judged we can feel by other people. And the question is, are those people on my one by one square? And if not, why am I taking their opinions, their thoughts and their beliefs about me as important? So I love that idea just of using it with this. Like, you know, if you wrote down today on a one by one square, who are you talking to the most? Like, who do you spend most of your time with? And then actually making another one by one square that's like, and who do you want to be talking to the most? Could be interesting to see, like, am I being intentional or am I just kind of letting it all happen? Yeah. And I love the aspect of being intentional behind your relationships because relationships take work. We all know that. And I think that saying comes into play a lot with marriages and, and, you know, intimate relationships like marriage takes work, relationships take work. And at the same time, I do see, I've done it in the past, taking some of my relationships for granted, you know, my family members or the friends around me, because there's almost this feeling of like, oh, they love me, you know, they're there for me. And I could just, you know, be who I am, which of course, you always want to be who you are. But being who you are, quote unquote, sometimes, you know, the good and the bad, right, can have an impact on others without you even realizing. And so really, cultivating the relationships that you have in your life means putting some intentionality behind growing them and really and watering the seeds i know that sounds cheesy but of your of your friendships and the relationships so i'm curious leah for you like what are some of the things that you do in order to build connection deeper relationships with the people in your life where you're being intentional about it like what are some of the tactics or are you able to share something and I don't want to seem like it's like a very scripted thing, but again, like if you're if you reflect a little bit back right now, is there anything that you can think of that I'd like to share? So, you know, you mentioned something earlier that I thought was a really important thing to come back to, which is social media when it comes to connection and intentionality. I think there's this really amazing ability on social media to interact with people in a quick hit way. But what I noticed, and like Jackie, I know you're not really on social media. I wasn't for, I don't know, a few years, and then really got back on and started being more regular at the beginning of this year. And I have a friend who used to say, she would not accept my Facebook friendship. This was pre-Instagram. And she was like, I'm your real friend, not your fake friend. And I would always laugh. But what I've recognized is uh, being thoughtful about the fact that social media does not replace real connection. And I think it's, I think a lot of, for a lot of people, it has unintentionally replaced real connection, just like texting doesn't replace real connection. And so like you and I talk about this when I, when we think about how we connect to people, like I'm really mindful of how much I want to text someone versus calling them like something that simple, having a conversation. And I think you actually helped me think about this more. Like what conversations do you want to have over text and what conversations actually deserve an in-person if you can, or uh, a phone call or a FaceTime. So that's just one is like, you know, 
closeness, I I think there's this like, I don't want to call it fake, but it's this, it's not a fulfilling closeness when you're texting someone and, so, and being on social media with them. There's something so much different about hearing someone's voice, seeing their face. So that's something that that I try to I try to do more often, which is also why it's really hard to keep keep friends at our kind of fringe friends that don't fit on that one by one square because you know you only have so much time in the day to be on FaceTime or be on the phone and only so much energy, right? It's exhausting. So I I think that's, that's just one thing that's so simple is asking myself, like, is this a text or can I just call? Yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, I'm not big on social media. I never have been. I kind of go in and out and I totally see the benefits of it and I'm not knocking it by any means. But I think you make a good point that there's such a balance and there's just recognizing when you're using it, how you're using it, how you're connecting with others, and are you replacing that for real connection? Because I think that's the thing there. For me, I I think what's helpful about having, let's call it the one-by-one one that Brene Brown says, or like having your your few people that you're super you know close with, and that's family and friends and partners, whoever, is that for me, because they're so in my life, I'm constantly thinking about them. Meaning like, if I go a few days without speaking to one of my people on my one-by-one, I recognize that and I make an effort to call them or text them or something. And even if it's just like a thinking of you. And that's another um, thing that I learned in coaching, actually. We, we just called it in caps, do it now. Actually, it was coaching. No, the do it now is coaching. But in Kabbalah as well, I remember learning like, if you have a thought about someone in your life, or if you see something that reminds you of them, or they come to mind for some reason, rather than, you know, letting that slip by and just taking that for yourself and holding that within yourself, share that with them, right? Call them and say, hey, I just saw this magazine article that reminded me of you and I wanted to share, or um, you just popped into my mind. It's been, you know, a few weeks since we chatted how are you? And I loved that because it was acting on something that you felt in your heart and you you were able to then share it with someone else. That makes someone's day and that makes your connection closer. And I just love that. So for me, relationships, you know, are so much, it's all about others, right? Like your relationship with someone else is about them. And of course it's reciprocal. So you see that kind of circular motion in a relationship, but it's, taking yourself out of the equation sometimes, right? Like giving yourself that self-love. I'm not negating that. You know, I feel super passionate about that. You put yourself first so that you could be there for others, as I already said. But like it's thinking about others and, and, and expanding that mindset so that you're continuing to bring them into your life. I remember you told me about Do It Now from coaching and I loved that. Like I still I still use it at times when I know that there's something I don't want to do or that like I'm like, yeah, I'll do that later. It's like do it now. Like why not? Got it. Why yeah, what do you have to lose? I love in my coaching session with clients when I say, Okay, well, when are you going to do that? And they think and they say two weeks and I say, Why not right now? Let's take five minutes and do it right now. And then, and it's like, oh, wow. And then it feels so satisfying after they do it. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I think with the thoughts, I was coaching someone the other day and, you know, this person is someone who experiences a lot. We all experience a lot of, a lot of emotions and feelings. And something I was thinking about is like, feelings are like passing clouds and so are thoughts, right? And it's hard to catch a cloud. And 
we don't catch all of our thoughts. We have like, I don't know, I think it's 75,000 thoughts a day, something wild like that. And we ignore so many of them. We don't catch a lot of them. But this is one worth catching to your point of like, when you think about someone, you're right, it's coming from a a place that has more value because it's about someone who you're connected to. Like you said, it's coming from your heart. So being able to share that, and they've actually done studies that show when you write out, even text out gratitude for someone or think appreciation for someone or acknowledgement of them, you get a dopamine hit. And then when they get it, they get a dopamine hit. And if they thank you for thinking of them, it's another dopamine hit for everybody. So it's it's actually, you know, from a, a brain science perspective, it's got a really positive impact to say like, hey, just thought of you, even if it's I love that you said just thinking of you, nothing more, or leaving somebody a voicemail, something that I, I've started doing a little bit more of is the audio messages on text like sending somebody an audio message. One of my teammates and I do this a lot. And it's just so cool to like hear his voice. And then, you know, I share something back and I keep his audio message. Or like my brother does this. And so like I keep my brother's audio messages and it's like a nice way to know that we're connecting. Also knowing how busy all of us are. Yeah, for sure. Something I was thinking about Jackie too is you and I were talking about this the other day is about in relationships from a connection perspective, how do we stay curious a little bit longer instead of making assumptions? I think like you and I are on the phone a few days ago and I asked you a question about something and it led to something more that I could learn about you. And what I recognize and I, and I see is like so often we make assumptions about the people in our lives. So our phone call to a friend is like, how are you? Good, great. And you have the little, you have like the, not surface level, but you have like the higher level conversation that's the catch up. And if you can ask like one more question, it just leads to something so much deeper. Like I felt, I feel like I felt closer to you when I was able to ask you a question and recognize like, oh, that's where this is coming from. Or like, that's how she knew this. Instead of assuming that I know you so well, I don't have to ask. It's so true. And I think that is an aspect of what I was saying before about almost taking friendships or relationships for granted sometimes. You know, we say conversations are like a ping pong ball going back and forth. And a lot of times what I recognize in people is like, you know, I'll share something and the person will share their own experience as well, rather than going a little bit deeper into my experience and seeking to understand and learn more and go deeper before sharing their own. And, you know, mindfulness and awareness comes into play in everything in life. and But really when it comes to listening and um, just being present for someone else, a lot of it is just asking just one more question or two more questions to dig a little bit deeper. And so that then the person can share and then ask you a question, right? So I love that, right? Maybe taking it a little bit deeper because you're right, we end up having a wonderful conversation that day on the phone because of one extra step that that you took as a friend, right? And I think it, you you really lead by example in that way. Yeah, there's that acronym for anyone listening that's like, I mean, the reason we say mindfulness is so important is you have to be conscious of these things to do them. Like, we're not trained. And this is what's so interesting about relationships, right? Like, we're not trained to be in relationships. We're trained to like, literally, we grow up believing that we just know how to be good friends. We just know how to be good partners or good spouses. We don't like just like everything else. Yes, we have hearts and those kind of lead us in a way to, to connection. But when it comes to, you know, going beyond that immediate connection, I can't think back to anything that taught me 
what it meant to be a great friend or how I could come up with what it meant for me specifically to be a great friend based on my personality and my values. And so like, I think about this because it's fast, it's fascinating to me. And, you know, Dr. John Gottman does, uh, does research on relationships. It's, it's generally around, you know, marriage and he, he's one of the foremost relationship, uh, researchers and can predict whether a marriage will make it or not with 93% accuracy. And so he does a lot of really interesting research around this. And what was fascinating to me when I found out about him was like, oh my God, I, this is stuff that we, we even feel awkward about talking about, you know, like having to learn how to do it. But it doesn't make sense because we've never been taught. And so this mindfulness and consciousness is so valuable because we can reel back to that and say, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And like, what tools can I pull? And so one of the tools that I love that, you know, you and I both know, Jackie, is uh, an acronym called WAIT. So in conversation, the question there, the, the acronym stands for, why am I talking? And if you can say WAIT, and then know that that's your signal to ask another question. Such a supportive thing for just like creating the space. Like you said, we're ping. I mean, you and I ping pong all the time, especially like we're moving fast. We're ping ponging, right? And so then how can we make it a little bit more like tennis instead of ping pong? It's funny because listening to you speak, I'm wondering if some of our listeners are like, well, again, like these are people that I know so well and people in my life, like, am I really going to be so conscious about this? Like, can I just, you know, continue going on the way I'm going? But again, when you think about it, it is those people in your life that you should be waiting for. You should be pausing for. You should be asking that deeper question. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Have you been feeling the effects of stress, burnout, or anxiety at work? Workplace culture is changing, but we're not done yet. Listen to the Anxious Achiever podcast to rethink the relationship between your career and your mental health. Hear stories from psychologists, entrepreneurs, even athletes and celebrities. Learn how they balance success and ambition with staying mentally healthy. And walk away with practical advice you can implement today. Get The Anxious Achiever wherever you find your podcasts. And I love that you brought up John Gottman. Um, we're actually going to share his card deck. Um, it's an app. It's an awesome app. And But the reason I bring it up now is because it's really meant for, for partners with the intent that you can make a relationship work. You can make a relationship thrive if you put a little intentionality behind it. And what this card deck does is it gives you all these different topics to really dive into to assess different aspects of your relationship and gives you things. So I'm just going to share some of them right now. So for example, one of them is giving appreciation, right? So it has ideas of things to say thanks for, for your partner. So thank you for supporting me when I talked about blank or thanks for listening to me the other day, right? And it's it may sound like a little odd, like what do I need support or help with on giving thanks? But sometimes we just don't think about it. We're busy. We're going through our days. And yet it is these 
little moments of appreciation, these little moments of thought that really can go a long way in making a relationship thrive. Another example is rituals of connection. So it gives you activities or things to do with your partner to build connection. So for example, you know, sharing a meal together with friends or inviting friends into your home or, you know, buying, you know, tickets to um, a concert so you can share music together, right? It gives you some of these ideas. And I just love it because it doesn't need to be for couples who are looking to, who are, are in a bad marriage, right? Or who are not, you know, doing well. It can be for people who are doing extremely well and just continue to enhance that. And even, you know, while it's made for partners, you know, there are these open-ended questions that Lee and I were actually sifting through the other day. And you can definitely do some of them with friends, right? You can just change them around. But again, it's tools like this that I don't know if everyone uses them, but certainly helpful when thinking about the relationships in your life and how you want to really enhance them. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point. It's like that saying, you don't have to be sick to get better. So like, it's okay to be great and to know we can be even better. What do you think, Jackie, about how this could play out at work? Like, how can someone who's wanting to to also maybe not use the card decks, but wanting to build connection at work, how could that play out? Well, I think some something that you can always look at is just your communication. And a big piece of that is listening, really understanding the different levels of listening and understanding about asking powerful questions. I think even something like where I was saying, you know, you saw a magazine article and thought about someone that could be applied to work for sure. You know, right now there are insane wildfires going on in California. And the first thing I did yesterday was who in my network at work is living in the Bay area that I need to check up on. And it's, thinking again going beyond yourself thinking about others in your in your network at work and how you can reach out to them and, and maintain and, and hopefully build that relationship a little bit deeper yeah you mentioned the levels of listening maybe you can share what those are for people who haven't heard of them yeah sure so there are three levels of listening that we've Lee and I both learned about this in our coaching program and they're just incredible. It's an incredible tool to really know to just be a better communicator, a better friend, coworker. So the first level is when you're listening to someone, and I don't know if they have names actually, but the first level is when they don't, when you're listening to someone speak. And when you're listening, you're actually thinking in your head about what you want to respond back to. So you're not really listening because you're already having your head kind of, well, what's my response going to be? Or you're, you're thinking thoughts essentially while that person is speaking to you. The second level of listening is when someone's talking to you, you are mindful and you're present and you're, you're hearing what they have to say and you're not thinking about your thoughts, but you're, you're paying attention to them so that you can appropriately respond. The third level of listening is actually something a little bit bigger. And that is when you listen using your senses or looking at what that person is saying, but not only listening to what they're saying, but looking at things like their body language, like the energy that's coming out of them, and using those in addition to their words to really formulate a response and perhaps you know ask a, a more powerful question to dig a little deeper. So it's actually a little bit more, more meta, that third level, but it's extremely 
impactful when you're able to listen at that level. Leah, what would you have anything to add on those three? No, I think that's great. I mean, if you're if you're wondering, I'd say the level three can sometimes be the hardest level to listen at because it does ask us to bring in some of our senses we don't use as often and even our intuition into what we're noticing. But one great way to think about it is if you remember back in the day when we used to go to parties and you walked in and you could just feel the energy, like it was going to be a fun night. There was energy coming from people and it felt good. Or if you've walked into a room, a meeting or, you know, a a room with friends or family, and you could just feel it in the air that something bad had just happened. Someone had just gotten into a fight. You could just feel it. So that's where I'd say, you know, leaning into that sense is really helpful. You can see it on Zoom if, if you're talking to somebody and you, you know, you'd hop on the phone and you're like, you know, I'm like, Jackie, how are you? And your shoulders are slumped over and you're like, I'm really good. I'm like, huh say more, you know, just being able to notice like the words don't match the body. The words don't match the tonality. Something could be a little bit off. And that's where I think it's, it's really supportive to use those. And it's also something you can use when conflict arises in relationships, which is something that happens all the time, right? Like, or maybe not all the time because we're afraid of it. So one of the interesting things, Jackie, you know, you and I have talked about is I do not like conflict, and, you know, one of the the challenges for me with conflict is connection is so important to me that conflict, you know, what, what I've learned about myself, conflict scares me into believing that the connection will be sacrificed because of the conflict. So can a relationship withstand or a connection withstand a conflict or a challenge? It's something I'm continuously working through and, and admire you for being really good at managing conflict. Even the word makes me feel weird. I'm not even saying it. I'm like, I want a different word. I think uh, someone that I, I led a course for called it a carefrontation, like instead of a confrontation. But I know it sounds cheesy, but just, you know, it's, it's thinking about what happens when challenges arise in relationships. And I feel like you're really good at approaching that in a really calm way. And, you know, honestly, keeping it from feeling volcanic. Well, I think, well, thank you for, for saying that. And, you know, we're, we're good friends and have certainly had our, you know, own share of conflict, like every relationship does. But I, I do think conflict is healthy, you know, like no two people are the same and the world wouldn't be the world if we didn't have our own opinions and our own thoughts and felt emotional in different ways. And so I do feel that in order for a relationship to thrive, there's going to be conflict And you need to kind of look at it in a positive light in terms of, well, actually, this conflict is going to open up an opportunity for us to learn more about each other, to understand each other's motivations a little bit better, and help us in the long run to continue to build on our relationship because we now know that we can get through it. So I I do see conflict as a way to make any relationship a little bit stronger. And I'm curious for you, Leah you know, this is something that you you say is important to you and that you've, you know, been working on in terms of how to manage conflict, I guess, in your relationships. Is there anything that you've seen worked for you in terms of growing into this? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I think it's incredibly important to talk about things like this. Obviously, you and I, like, jump into the arena and talk about even the the higher level of talking about conflict. Some people don't even talk about it because it feels so scary to even broach that topic. So I talk about all of these things. I have, I generally have a coach and a therapist and I, I share these things and it helps me work through 
you know, what's going on for me? Because sometimes it's just about having someone hear you and then repeat it back and go, oh, that's what I'm saying. That's not what I mean at all. Or here's something else I can do. So not too long ago, I was, I was talking to my therapist and sharing with her my fear of conflict and how that's shown up and actually impacted relationships negatively. So first I want to I want to share that there are a lot of people on this planet that are afraid of conflict and it's all generally because of an experience we've had in our past that proved to us that conflict was potentially detrimental. Whether that was something we saw in family members, friends, our own relationships, we're carrying that quote unquote proof. I have air quotes because it's not really true, but this proof with us. And so what I did was I noticed the need for me to be able to shift that proof because it is detrimental not to share when you have conflict or when you're, something is upsetting you that actually causes resentment and build up. And that's why people have blowups because you're holding it all down, suppressing, suppressing, and then it just, it is volcanic. So what I did was I was like, all right, I'm going to literally experiment with two friends that I know and trust it's going to be okay with how I may prove that conflict isn't going to be the end of a relationship. And it just so happened that, you know, you and I had something that came up and I, I was like, all right, this is it. I've got to start proving to myself in small ways that conflict won't end our relationship. And so it's actually like, I mean, it's, it's brain work. It's rewiring yourself to recognize over and over again, the proof that you can approach conflict and then to see your relationship is still there. And not only that, it's still thriving. And it gets easier and easier to have the conversations that maybe you were afraid of as you continue to prove. And trust grows, which is actually really important, right? Because, you know, you and I talk about connection, but, you know, one of the things that's important in connection is trust. Like you've got to trust someone in order to connect with them. And what's underlying trust is vulnerability. And so a lot of times we think, well, I'll be vulnerable with somebody once I trust them, but it's actually the opposite. It's that you have to be vulnerable in order to give somebody the opportunity to build your trust. And so that's conflict is one of the most ultimate vulnerabilities among like that and and loving someone, right? Beautifully said. I well, you know, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being vulnerable and allowing others to learn from your experience. And I just do see such a sense of openness to conflict that you really do need in order to deal with it and in order to move forward and grow from it. But beautifully said. I think that was that was great. For our listeners, I I hope you know, this episode inspires you to think about your list, think about your one by one, who are the important people in your life, whether that's your partner, your family, your friends, your coworkers, and thinking through what intentionality do you want to put behind enhancing these relationships. And hopefully uh, we gave you a few tools today to, to think through and, and helping enhance those. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you again, as always, for joining us on this journey. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and probably some other ones we maybe don't even know about. But we also have a newsletter. So you can find us on LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn in the arena newsletter. So we share some of the details of our episodes and give you kind of an insight into what we're talking about. So we will see you all next time and go out there and build some connections. Have a great day, everyone. 